Everybody, that is Garugamesh, which is a rad name for a band. Uh, and uh, that is a song called Incomplete. It is great. Check the rest of it out. Hey, welcome to Hero Hero Go Show. Uh, I am Bo Ransdell, your host for these proceedings where we talk about uh, Asian horror films and, uh, and, and try not to exclude anyone. You know, we're a big tent kind of operation here. So, hey, listen, we've been doing this Godzilla thing recently, right? Like, we we did the original 54 Godzilla. We talked about that. Uh, it's a great movie. Then we moved on to uh, uh, Sion Sono's film and uh, had a little bit in there where we talked about uh, Godzilla raids again. Um and uh, Court joined me on that. He'll be on a little bit later on this very program to talk to me about the next in that series, which is significant enough that it's worth its own show. And that, of course, is King Kong versus Godzilla. So let's get into it, shall we? Let's waste no time. No dickery here, ladies and germs. Uh, so the question is, how do you follow up two successful films about a giant reptilian atomic fire-breathing monster. Well, how about adding another monster, right? While this was tried in Godzilla Raids again, it wasn't quite the spectacle of this particular kaiju love fest. But the question remains, how did King Kong ever end up in a Japanese kaiju film? And it all goes back to one of the creators of the original RKO King Kong film, a guy named Willis O'Brien, who was one of the animators, uh, one of the stop motion animators for the original King Kong. And O'Brien wanted to do a sequel, only his vision was of this ginormous Kong fighting an oversized Frankenstein for a movie O'Brien called, naturally, King Kong vs. Frankenstein. Unfortunately, RKO wasn't really in the movie production business anymore, but a producer by the name of John Beck liked the idea and resolved to get it produced, making a deal with O'Brien. For a while, the script remained largely intact, but the belief, albeit an incorrect one, that Universal owned the rights to the name Frankenstein led to a change in name of the script to King Kong vs. Prometheus, which references, of course, the subtitle of Mary Shelley's novel. So studio after studio turns the project down, uh, saying it's just going to be way too expensive to pay for the stop-motion animation necessary to have a giant Frankenstein fight a giant King Kong. So John Beck ships the script overseas, essentially, shopping it around to different markets. And Toho Studios, the house that produced the first Godzilla films, took notice. They had actually really wanted to make a King Kong film, and it had been a few years since Godzilla graced the theaters, so the match appeared to be made in heaven. The script was bought, Godzilla was swapped in for Frankenstein, and the project was a go. 
Original Godzilla director Ishiro Honda was brought on board and screenwriter Shinichi Sekizawa was hired to rewrite the script. Unlike the dour tone of the original films, Toho wanted to make these kaiju films more broadly appealing and opted for a lighter, more kid-friendly kind of tone. The monsters were both appearing in color for the first time in a widescreen aspect, so suit designs were rethought to make Godzilla even more reptilian and to capture the giant monkey of their dreams. Godzilla ended up losing his ears, a toe on each foot, and was generally made more streamlined, more lizard-like. Kong's first iteration was deemed too cute and was scrapped in favor of a more simian kind of look. This change in tone didn't sit as well with director Honda, who wanted his monsters, you know, scary. Kids, he thought, should be terrified by these gargantuans, not thrilled by them, or even find them as heroes. He must have contented himself with the subtext of the film, which was, according to Honda, all about Japanese television. Not unlike today, the Japanese popular television of the early 60s was all about stunts and extremes, using wild promotional events to garner audiences. Honda thought this manner of advertisement was a disrespect to the viewers and wanted to show the illogical conclusion of such corporate behavior. Special effects director Iji Suburaya was planning on working on other projects at this point in time, a couple of fairy tale scripts and that kind of thing, but he scrapped those plans because he was a giant King Kong fan. He stated in an early 1960s interview, my movie company has produced a very interesting script that combined King Kong and Godzilla, so I couldn't help working on this instead of my other fantasy films. The script is special to me. It makes me emotional because it was King Kong that got me interested in the world of special photographic techniques when I saw it in 1933. Shoichi Hirose was to go into the Kong suit, and my Godzilla of choice, Haruo Nakajima, stepped into the Green Guy's rubber feet. The two were left to choreograph many of the fights themselves, and they drew a lot of their inspiration from professional wrestling at the time, which was incredibly popular, especially with the younger demographic that Superaya wanted to capture. Upon release, the movie was a giant success, bringing in more than either of the previous Godzilla films. The one loser in all this, by the way was the originator of the idea, Willis O'Brien. Beck, the producer who had taken on the project, made the deal with Toho behind O'Brien's back, and the animator never received any credit for the work. But the movie itself is an incredible amount of fun, and yeah, there is actually some subtext. It's pretty smart, and it's all the things that we think of when we think of Godzilla movies, only in its early raw form. So now, ladies and gentlemen, King Kong versus Godzilla. All right, everybody, look, if, if you we're talking about Godzilla, you know Cord's here. I already told you he's going to be here. 
But we are talking about King Kong versus Godzilla. And uh, first of all, introduction out of the way, Court Psyops. <laughs> Welcome again to to what I, I like to think of as your your second uh, Asian home. Uh, Hero Hero <laughs> Go Show, where, where you can come and talk about something that we both dearly love which uh is and are godzilla movies so welcome how you doing what's going on and then we'll get serious i'm super stoked to be de- uh, back and uh talking godzilla but on just a quick little tangent before we get going i actually watched my first uh seeing snow no uh film today oh kidding would you uh what did you see tag i watched it on netflix and it was amazing i absolutely loved it that's lesser sono you have seen like one it, it's really good but uh-huh. his, uh, not everything, but there are like a half dozen movies that he's done that are just so genius. It's like, well, they're in their own category, you know, like Suicide right. Club is, is on that list. So, but I'm, uh, I'll shut up. W- what did you enjoy about Tag? I love that movie. Uh, it has the best opener of any movie I've ever seen where it's just like you press the <laughs> I believe button on that shit or you just go away. Like, cause once that happens, you're like. Okay, I'm either in or I'm out. Like you, you have no choice. You, you can't meander on that film. It's just like the bus stuff with the uh, everything being severed in twain just grabs you right away and goes, "You're gonna watch this whether you want to or not." <laughs> I love yeah. that part. Yeah, and it's it's one of the best first five minutes of a movie I've ever seen. The other thing that I really enjoyed about it too is the constant state of us as the audience not knowing what's going on. It's not that we're in the hands of an unreliable narrator the whole way through that film. We're in the hands of an unreliable film. Like, it just keeps changing the rules on you the whole way through. And I really enjoyed that because I love surrealist filmmaking. I mean, we've we've all talked David Lynch, but I also love Yodorowsky and that kind of stuff, too. So having this kind of Japanese, almost exploitation film wrapped around that kind of surrealistic, artistic filmmaking... It just pressed all the buttons on me, and I'm super stoked to check out his other stuff just based on what you just referred to as this being a lesser film. That alone makes me think that, like, if I love this, what am I going to like about his other stuff, you know? Yeah, work your way up. The the one that you need to watch after you've seen uh, Suicide Club or Suicide Circle, whatever it's called when you get your hands on it, uh, that uh, Notico's Dinner Table is the spiritual sequel to that. Okay. Um, and Strange Circus. And after you see Strange Circus, if you are willing to have your mind bent further, Sion <laughs> Sono did a film called Love Exposure that is sort of his magnum opus. It's a th- almost four-hour film about an upskirt photographer versus kind of religion. It's fucking amazing it it is one of those pieces of art that when you get done with it you're like i can't believe someone made that i can't believe how good it is it's incredible but that's kind of the 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 peak of the mountain so enjoy the climb because there's Mm -hmm. some really great stuff and x day is another one that's a lesser sono film but it's also fucking amazing awesome yeah, I've got to check that out. Suicide Club's going to definitely be the next one on my list. Like, I've been, I've almost blind bought that several times when it first came out. Like, even back in the day when it was just DVD, um, when it was just DVD, because just the title, I'm like, all right, I'm in. What's yeah. going on here? But 
something else always ended up catching my eye, and now I feel like I'm remiss for missing it. There is a J-pop band hook in that movie that is incredible. Um, at any rate, another thing I really like about Tag, before we get into KKVG, <laughs> as the kids call it. <laughs> I've never heard the kids call it that, but we'll just we'll just press the I believe button. Or, yeah, you know, agree to disagree. But <laughs> I've heard it both ways to quote yeah. Sean Spencer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I you know, I, I was talking about the movie Gravy recently on the on the video, so uh uh well done. No, uh about tag though, I really like because you described it as kind of an exploitation film, and I agree that Sono has more shared DNA with someone like Lynch than he does even someone like, you know, Hideo Nakata or Shimizu or like any of his peers. He is, he is kind of a surrealist director. But w what I, I love about Tag is that it, it has all the trappings of an exploitation film, but is strangely about the female characters uh, asserting themselves ultimately. And and there's one scene in particular where she goes to the, um, the kind of video game world or whatever, or the movie world, where it's she's in a world populated entirely by men. But yeah. there are posters of the movie she's in everywhere. Oh, man, this movie is so good. And that scene is kind of the movie at its creepiest and most leering. But it never gets there again. And in fact, the character gets stronger and stronger from that point. And I think the end of the movie, which I won't spoil for people who haven't seen it, because uh, it's kind of a twist ending, but it's more of a philosophically sci-fi twist ending yeah. of sorts. Um, but I think the end of that movie is very much about self-determination. I, I completely agree with that. I'm sorry to cut you off there. Uh, one of the things that I kind of felt as I was going is when it first started with the shearing of the bus and then, you know, a lot of running around and upskirt photos and then the wind blast pushing skirts up and stuff. I'm like, all right, movie, let's get sleazy with it. I'm having some fun here. Yay. And by the end of it, I started feeling like I was recognizing my own you know, the whole male gaze and my own predetermined male perspectives on females, let alone not just Japanese women, but women in general. And yeah. I felt like I felt like it was kind of assaulting me for my natural inclinations and being like, you need to look at these as women, as people, and not just sex objects just because they're in movies, because these characters could be people, too. Yeah, it's it, oh man, Sono is so fucking good, man. I'm I'm glad that you've gotten a taste and and that it hit you right, because no matter what you watch from him from now on, you're gonna know what he's capable of, and and there are times he's gonna blow your mind, and there are times he's gonna disappoint you. There are things about X Day that I find disappointing because I know he can be better, but he's also kind of doing a parody of Japanese horror movies, and it's. Anyway, uh, enough about Sion Sono. You can uh, listen to uh, several episodes of this very program uh, about that gentleman, uh, including a bit of a biography on him. But we're not here to talk about the genius of uh, Sion Sono. We're here to talk about the genius of uh, Inoshiro Honda and uh, uh, King Kong and Godzilla. And uh, one thing I always like to bring up 
when we talk about these films, Gord, is when you first encountered this movie in particular, do you remember where like where you were in life when you saw King Kong versus Godzilla for the first time? There was a Godzilla marathon on either a local channel broadcast or it might have been uh, TBS's either Super Scary Saturday or just one of those like Saturday afternoon movies. I was probably, I want to say six, maybe seven max, because this wasn't my first Godzilla, but this was just a few years later when I saw this marathon, and this was one of the first ones, and I just went apeshit. I was like the perfect age to see this. Uh, previous to that, though, I had actually seen the Godzilla, uh, there's a group of books that were the Crestwood House Monster Series. They're like the orange-covered books that each little individual book they were meant for kids has like a different monster. And there was like a King Kong one and there was a Godzilla one. And the King Kong one actually had stuff from King Kong versus Godzilla. And then the Godzilla one also had that as well. And I was exposed to both of those before I saw the movie. So I had already had like hype in my brain about it. <laughs> until Little kid hype. <laughs> yeah. Which is the best kind of hype. You know, it's it's like uh, the scene at the end of The Incredibles whenever uh, the, the speedster kid is like freaking out and saying all the stuff that just happened and how amazing it is. And then he just wears himself out and falls on the seat. That's like how I got hyped about Godzilla at that age. <laughs> it's like, and then this happens, and then this happens, and it's just amazing! <laughs> yeah. So that's kind of the, and I still have that enthusiasm and that love watching this movie. It doesn't go away. Like, my wife was shaking her head at me because I was watching this upstairs, and she would walk past me to like, grab something out of the kitchen or whatever. And I'm like, no, don't do that, Godzilla. Keep burning him. I'm like yelling at the TV like he can hear me, even though I know what's going to happen. He's behind the rock, Godzilla. Don't (laughs) let him fool you. Don't let that monkey brain outsmart you. Yeah, (laughs) totally. So that's that's how I saw it at that age. And that's almost arrested development for me. Cue the music if you want to. (laughs) But it's arrested development. Like, as soon as I start watching this movie, it's like I'm right back there watching the the marathon that I saw at, like, six or seven, so. Yeah, it's awfully special uh, in the pantheon of Godzilla films for me as well. I I was a kid, and um, it's one of those movies that I always forget how weird some of it is until I rewatch it. I'm like, yeah, some of this is really weird. And also... Uh, it's important to note, I have never, ever seen, nor will I discuss with any authority tonight, the pure Japanese cut of this film. I've never been able to get my hands on it. I don't think anybody has. Most of the pure Japanese version of that has been basically left to rot. It's the most notoriously mishandled print out there. I don't. I don't think you really should feel remiss about that because... I don't think it exists, and if it does, there isn't really a very good one. The only thing that really is out there is there's a few, like, 16-millimeter push-in pieces that they did for the parts that are lost from the parts that were cut down for the American version. So the best version you're really going to get your hands on is the American version anyway, so don't feel bad about that. Yeah, it, it it's a disappointment, though, although, although less so than if the reverse were true for the American original. Uh, That would be a real travesty. I feel like this one is so much lighter in tone. Uh, And even all, all, all sources indicate, to the best of my knowledge, that the original script and the American version are not vastly different like King of the Monsters versus original Gojira. 
No, this um, this was meant to be a monster mashup its whole way through. Um, even from its very inception when it was King Kong versus Frankenstein's monster, which eventually spun off and became, uh, oh gosh, uh, Frankenstein was, Conquered the World, I think it is, where he fought well, Baragon. Yeah, later, and then, of course, War of the Gargantuas. Right, where they had the... Yeah, they had the spin-off version of that where there's like another Gargantua. <laughs> oh man, I've War of the Gargantuas is a movie I dearly love. Oh, don't uh, get me wrong, I'm not disparaging it in any way shape or form and I truly love Frankenstein Conquers the World as well. It's just one of those things where it was going to be that way because I think they were both universal properties at that point if well, I'm not no, mistaken. Well, no, no, that, no. That 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 was a misconception. They oh. they went they they changed the the name of the script without ever verifying that they thought universal had the rights but it wasn't true and like apparently it's i don't know if it was in the public domain but it seems like you you could throw the name frankenstein in pretty much anything right you can you can do that but i think it was king kong is what they thought they had the rights for but they couldn't get well yeah that's why frankenstein conquered the world became later right right mostly that, that idea eventually uh became Frankenstein conquered the world, which we'll get to. Uh, I promise you. <laughs> in fact, I, there there are times I'm like, man, should I be doing Rodan and Mothra too? I mean, those are kind of the direct sequels to Raids Again, even though Godzilla is not in them. But well, if you're if you want to do them, we can do them. It <laughs> you might just be tell a, me. <laughs> it might be a bonus episode kind of thing of like you and I sitting down and talk about Mothra because that's a conversation. That is going to get sleazy. Yeah. Uh, there's <laughs> yeah. no way it won't because <laughs> no. I there are things about Mothra I tie to my adolescence and I can't help it. <laughs> uh, at any rate. Uh, so, yeah, uh, King Kong versus Godzilla, you know, it, it said this in the upfront that, yeah, uh, it goes to Europe. Toho becomes interested. They pick it up and they're like, fucking, let's put Godzilla in this thing, which is why King Kong gets top billing, because that was always what the script was. It was King Kong versus somebody. And so Toho decides they're going to resurrect Godzilla with this movie. You, you, like you said, it's a a, a monster brawl. We're going to put these two characters together. We're going to have them fight. Uh, the The cast and crew uh, of this film, uh, crew especially, you know, people doing the effects and producers and whatnot, were all people who were inspired by the original King Kong and approached this with a high degree of reverence. They, they threw out a couple of Kong suits before they got to this one. So they, they meant to make as good good a film as they could and essentially the movie is king kong except godzilla happens to be in it too yeah and it's a misconception a lot of people think that there's two different cuts where in the japanese version godzilla ended up winning in the american version it's always king kong because of the famous monster origin of both nations but that's not true (laughs) that's not how it works it was always meant to be king kong was the winner and Godzilla was still a bad guy at this point. Now, a lot of people, because they love the big G, they don't realize that he is supposed to be a bad guy. That's why all the other monsters that he goes up against end up running him off in some way, shape, or form, because he's out to destroy in several of the first couple of movies. Yeah, right. Like, uh, the, the last time we saw him, he murdered Angiris, and then just kind of fucks off, right? Or does he go back to... No, he goes back to destroying the city. 
Yeah, he hates... The thing about Godzilla is he hates people, and he wants to destroy our stuff that's disturbing his sleep or the lights or whatever that whatever excuse they have. But whatever it is, he hates us. He wants to destroy our buildings. He doesn't want them to be left standing. He just hates other kaiju more because they're in his territory. Right. And he, he, there's not enough buildings to be smashed, so you don't get to smash my buildings. That's how it works. Right. Like, I got to go away for a couple of years, let them rebuild, and then come back and have my fun. Exactly. Uh, and if you're stomping some of the shit, I've been waiting. I've been hibernating for two years, waiting for them to rebuild Hokkaido. <laughs> and you're you're kind of fucking up my game. Uh, well, and later, and in fact, slight spoilers, everyone. Our interstitial piece is going to be talking about the various various eras of Godzilla films, like uh, uh, within the Showa series, which is this one the like the classic godzilla uh there's the original run which are the first two films there's the revival run which are is what begins here with king kong versus godzilla and and there are later iterations in like the 80s where they went back to him being like let's just have him be a monster again because over time he does become kind of a good guy like you were saying he he becomes champion of the earth, and anytime some UFO drops an alien on the planet, Godzilla rolls in to fuck him up. And which is real satisfying, and we'll get to those movies too. But th this time around, they were taking all of that much more seriously. And like I said, they were approaching King Kong with reverence, and then instrolls uh Godzilla into the film, and it's the first time either of them had been in color which yeah. is also like one of the great things about this movie is that it's all technicolor and it's all bright reds and greens and i mean i, I was watching the blu-ray and it just it looks so good still it it's i mean effects and all i think it all looks amazing to yeah, this it's, day it's an amazing print and i really do love that very pastel look that you get from Technicolor movies where it amps up the reality and it looks like everything's almost kind of been colorized later. <laughs> it's really quite striking to see, particularly with the buildings when you're in like downtown areas in Tokyo and everything. And the, well, we'll get there when we're at Mount Fuji and everything, but just the actual city apes, the models you can really see. I think the model work in this is probably one of the better ones that they've done. I mean, and color doesn't really isn't really that kind to some of the models, but others look amazing. Basically the buildings look great. Any of the vehicles are kind of sketchy. Yeah. The tanks in particular are pretty rough. Yeah. But, but the building models, some of the detail work in that is just like, man, it's kind of a shame that they ever destroyed this. It looks great. Um, so, all right, let's get into the movie. The movie opens with uh, a quote from Shakespeare uh, and Hamlet, and it's the, you know, there are more things on heaven and earth ratio than are dreamt of in your philosophies. AKA, letting, look, there are kaiju, deal with it. Yeah, letting you know, like, hey man, you're in for some shit. <laughs> Gonna see some stuff you don't want to believe. Just press the button and go. It's, <laughs> I like it because it, it it's sort of the, hey, you cool man of this movie. <laughs> Hey, are you cool, man? All right. 
and and so we go uh, to Eric Carter, who is Raymond Burr for this movie. He's just the white American dude that's like, hey, what are they saying over there? <laughs> is that the UNN reporter or the UN <laughs> the UN reporter? The United Nations has reporters. Yes, Eric Carter. <laughs> Heterosexual male reporting for duty. <laughs> Straight and true shot like an arrow, sir. That's me. I'm Eric Carter. And he also and when I when I was watching this again, I forgot that he was talking about Santiago because the way he pronounces it is the way that uh, uh Will Farrell pronounces Santiago in Anchor Man. <laughs> yeah. And and I'm like, is that a hard T or a soft D? I don't know what you're doing here. <laughs> but it really made me laugh. And I, just, uh, I really wish the UN actually did have its own reporters. I would like to have constant updates on their activities that I could watch on a channel. That would be interesting. Right. And like we pull in a, our, our dino expert. We'll get to him in a little bit of just like, hey, you know that thing we were talking about earlier? I, Eric Carter, have brought an expert here to talk to you about it right now. So, fellow Caucasian, let the people at home know what's going on. Make sure you're a straight shooter, because that's how we like it here. Straight and true, just like an arrow. Hey, how's that coffee? Black, am I right? No sugar or cream for white, straight Americans. Um, <laughs> no indulgences that are going to put more pounds around the waistline. Got to keep those suits fitting. Missionary sex, lights off, socks on. That's how Eric Carter plays it. Gonna keep my camisole just because I need to keep this fit. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you win. Um, <laughs> all I had to do was drop camisole. That's all it took. It really, yeah. If you get into dainty <laughs> accessories, uh, that that gets me every time. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, a, a part of any good goth ensemble uh <laughs> is, is a black parasol eric carter is here to tell us that icebergs are breaking up and that some scientists have found some berries that look like cherry tomatoes because that's probably what they are people am i right um <laughs> have found a bunch of berries that he describes as non-habit forming, uh, which I really like. Like, out, right up front, he's a shill for the pharma companies. Yeah, he says where, it's a non-habit forming narcotic effect. Uh-huh. And, and, and right after he handles it, he has the juice on his fingers. You see him look at it, but then just put the lid back on where he's like, I can't believe I'm doing this shit. They're not paying me enough. Right, it's like, you know, doctors doing commercials for cigarettes in the 50s, you know? Where he's he's just like, oh man, Eric, I know this is wrong. I know it is, but you put on that white smiling face and you tell the people what they want to hear. It's non-habit forming, like that methamphetamine that your wife takes for the diet pills. Right. <laughs> and then Eric gets on a little bit of a high horse here. Because he's like, there's only one place that we white people can find these berries, and it's on an island. And uh, he's like, and they, look, it's filled with a bunch of natives. Their worship at something as a god. But anyway. There's only makes... one true god for us white Americans, and that's the Christian god. No nonsense about this taller-than-a-mountain-gorilla crap. 
Oh my god. <laughs> so these idiots or Eric is like these idiots are worshiping this god but it's making negotiations a little bit difficult. But uh you know we're going to get those berries. Don't you worry about it, white America. He also mentions that the local wildlife loves these berries, so it's watched over very harshly by the local natives. They're hoarding it and creating this deuce for that god. Yeah, I mean, but then again, if you were an animal on this island, or heck, a villager, <laughs> man, <laughs> I would be chewing those berries nonstop. Well, it's got a narcotic effect that's apparently non-habit forming, so why wouldn't you? Yeah, we'll talk about how non-habit forming it is when we get to how Godzilla treats this shit. <laughs> like it's fucking mana of the gods. You mean uh, King Kong, because I don't think Godzilla ever oh, right. it. Oh, <laughs> right. You're 100% right, I misspoke. King <laughs> Kong is the one with the berry problem. We'll get to it. Yeah. Um, Godzilla's been clean for a long time with the berries. He's been in rehab. <laughs> yeah, he's... <laughs> Look, he had a rough patch uh, when he was a struggling actor, but hey, you know, he, he, he got work, and God bless him, he's back and better than ever. Um, he is the... Robert Downey Jr., the RDJ of Kaiju. <laughs> oh, gosh, Darren, I want to see something made of that. <laughs> <laughs> now I do, too. Kaiju rehab, I'm all about that now. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> so how long have you been a smog monster? <laughs> well, blah, blah, blah. Uh, <laughs> Anybody mind if I smoke? I'm a smog monster after all. <laughs> I made a pollution over here. What do you want from me? Of course I have self-loathing. <laughs> Look, I've tried to take my own life. You see how stubby these arms are? I can't do it. I begged Godzilla to kill me. He wouldn't do it. He wouldn't finish the job, the pussy. <laughs> This just got really dark really fast. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know. It is rehab, though. The smog monster had, had a rough time. We we cut to the offices of Pacific Pharmaceuticals, where uh, it's uh, Sakurai and his boss, uh, Mr. Taco, which is pretty great. <laughs> and uh, is, is Vegeta, is he the one there in this? Anyway, doesn't matter. Or his goofy buddy. I can never remember his name. He's just the goofy buddy. But anyway, they're all chit-chatting about how, hey, uh, we got to get them berries. Like, they got, they're got, they going uh, to the island because they want to get them berries. And uh, non-habit-forming narcotic berries. And uh, the head of Pacific Pharmaceuticals, Mr. Taco, is like, hey, we produced this TV show. And uh, reminder to the listeners... Like, this was the thing that the director, Honda, said about the film in terms of, like, what the film was ultimately about was the escalating nature of Japanese television doing bigger and bigger stunts to try to win audiences. And he was like, well, this would be the illogical extension of that, right? Is uh, this guy who's producing a television show and that's sagging in the ratings uh, decides, well, I'm going to go to this island get uh see if they're this god thing is for realsies and then you know we'll get into the king kong ter the og 1933 king kong territory of that here in a few 
But he says, look, let's go find our own monster. And already as a kid, I'm like, yeah, I get that. Let's go find a monster. See what's up. <laughs> as, as opposed to now as an adult where I'm like, you want to do what now? That sounds dangerous and I could be hurt. That's the stupidest idea I've ever heard. Let's you want do to it. Go, <laughs> right. As a, as a kid, sure. Um, so then we, we cut back to uh, Sakurai and Fujita. They're kind of uh, chit-chatting at, at Fujita's place. And they're dicking around with this super strong steel string stuff that Fujita has. And they're, you know, like... Uh, 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 Fujita is leaning back on the on the high tension threads, and uh, Sakurai is just like, "Hey, quit fucking around! You're gonna get hurt." <laughs> and then they get distracted by uh, talk of a a sub that has been missing, and then we cut to the sub, and the, the like they're checking out. Uh, like water temperature has been raising. This is all the, you know, icebergs breaking up and shit. And, um, the sub ends up having to dive down because they're checking out this glowing iceberg, which is probably not a good sign. Especially since it's glowing green. (laughs) Right. And they're like, Hey, it's almost like there's a big nuclear reactor in that iceberg, man. Do we know anything that seems like a giant atomic reactor? I guess not. (laughs) It might also glow green whenever it's having its reactions. (laughs) Right. And they're fucking around trying to figure out what this thing is. And they run right into the iceberg. Yeah. They totally Titanic this shit. And it's their fault that Godzilla gets out. Yeah. It is a hundred percent their fault because they weren't paying attention where they were going. Um, although there's a nice use of, uh, 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 red in this scene. I, I, I like the, again. It's the Technicolor palette, and it's just gorgeous. And at, at any rate, so they're like, "Hey, we're getting a Geiger response, uh, whatever the fuck." I assume that's radiation. Yeah, and <laughs> I'm assuming it's a Geiger counter. So their Geiger counter is going. So that's what they're referencing. But either that or HR Geiger is stalting it off in the far distance. What are you doing over there? Is it sexual? It looks like your sub is about to penetrate the iceberg. I need to sculpt this immediately. <laughs> Have you ever thought about veins on your submarine? Trust no? me, veins are all in this here on submarines and other long, hard tentacles sculpted. Tentacles are the new black. <laughs> all right, with that one. <laughs> all right. Uh, so, uh, a rescue chopper start swinging around. They're out looking for the submarine and they see like this colored dye that they pump into the water. Also green. (laughs) And as they're swinging by this iceberg, it just collapses. And there's our man. Godzilla is back in action, fresh from an iceberg, ready to party. He immediately fries the helicopter and, uh, and yeah, it's it's our man for the first time, and, and in fairly short order. Like this movie runs at a clip. One of the things that I found interesting too is in an age where continuity wasn't really a problem for a lot of these kind of monster movies, Tokyo sticks with it. If you remember Godzilla gets frozen in ice on an island 
out in the middle of wherever, in probably the Pacific, you know, up towards the north. And that was the end of how they captured him for versus Angiris, you know, or raids right. again, if you will. And so this looks like maybe it broke off from that island due to this warming temperatures, which has a little bit of a global warming message to it in the 60s. I don't know if that's what they intended or if that's just <laughs> a byproduct. And so I think that's what happened was the frozen version of Godzilla, because of the warming temperatures, broke off of that island and came far enough south that it was melting even further. And they just happened to ram into it because they didn't really pilot their <laughs> submarine well. And that's how he got set loose. Yeah. Already more and better continuity than pretty much any horror franchise ever. <laughs> uh, I don't know if I would go that far, but yeah, pretty, pretty darn close. And one of the things that I really like about this is the fact that it does flow together like that. You know, where, where we see Godzilla get dropped off, they make sure that he gets pulled out. Almost the entire yeah. series that way, or yeah, they or, or, or they just say no. That other Godzilla did die. This is a new Godzilla. I don't know where he came from. <laughs> hey, second Godzilla. How crazy is that, right? <laughs> There's a third Godzilla. <laughs> the Godzillas are making more Godzillas. <laughs> Why uh, are there so many Godzillas? The brochure didn't say there'd be this many Godzillas. <laughs> <laughs> they said one Godzilla. I can't swing a dead cat around here without hitting a Godzilla, and it is, it's nightmarish. <laughs> they said everything included. What everything? It's all rubble. <laughs> There's an asterisk and below it, anything, everything included, not destroyed by kaiju. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Read the fine print, they said. No refunds, they said. Here I am in Hokkaido. Once again, destroyed by monsters. Why do I vacation here every three years? <laughs> I tell Javi, sometime let's just go to the beach. He says that's no good either, because they could just come out of the ocean and stop us. Why are we hanging around the Pacific Rim? Maybe we should do the Atlantic Ocean next year. But there you gotta worry about the sharks that come in and won't go away. <laughs> I assume. <laughs> <laughs> if Jaws is to be believed, that probably happens every summer at the height uh -huh. of at the height of like Fourth of July weekend. Jaws, Jaws, and Jaws too, sir. Let's not <laughs> undersell the science. Um, <laughs> Sometimes they come back for more again. Uh huh. <laughs> I'll always know what you did last summer. Um, <laughs> but still, my favorite title of any horror movie ever is uh, a haunting in Connecticut to Ghosts of Georgia. <laughs> oh, that direct-to-video schlock. I love that crap. It That is the dumbest title I have ever seen. Uh, at any rate, it's like the, it's like nobody was paying attention to the other state right there in the title. Um, <laughs> a haunting in Connecticut somewhere deep in the south. Yeah, you could have called it a haunting in Connecticut road trip, and it would have been just as good. <laughs> It would have made me feel better somehow. I still not want to see that. A haunting in Connecticut road trip. <laughs> We've been haunting this same old house too long. You know what that means. Road trip. And the only way to do that was with a haunted RV. Yeah, it, very similar to the Monsters Mobile. You're way off track. <laughs> yes, okay. So uh, Eric Whiteness shows up. And he's like, after Godzilla's set free, he pops in to just be like, 
hey, white people, don't worry. I know you're seeing a lot of Japanese folk. It's fine. I'm still here. Uh, Godzilla, it turns out, is swimming towards Japan, and they're all freaked out. Anyway, back to the movie. <laughs> and so we get uh, Dr. Shikigawa, uh, which isn't his name in this movie. He's only in two scenes, but he's the original Shikigawa from uh, OG Godzilla. The one who killed himself with the oxygen exploder. That sounds like an alternate universe world. I think it was Oxygen Destroyer, wasn't it? What did I say? Exploder? Oxy- yeah. <laughs> Whatever. I mean. Same thing. I'm, Different results. Yeah, it's, eh, it's fine. Um, <laughs> it killed Godzilla. It was fine. Uh, little did they know. There was another. So this is kind of Godzilla Jr., which is weird because when we get in the son of Godzilla, it's really the grandson of Godzilla, I suppose. Hmm. <laughs> anyway, we'll we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Uh, so, yeah, uh, Wadi is like, hey, it, it, it's cool. Dr. Shikigawa is here. And he says, uh, they're like, hey, can we be sure that Godzilla is even coming here? And he's like, oh, yeah. Oh, he is for sure coming here. <laughs> and <laughs> look at all these tasty buildings he hasn't chomped of course he's gonna be here <laughs> well and and the explanation is is that like uh his godzilla's ancestors were roamed the the islands of japan and so there's this homing instinct so he's gotta go back and uh so the army rolls out because Godzilla's about to roll in. And and you're right. This is kind of the, the worst of the effects. These little remote-controlled tanks kind of rolling around. You're like, aw, those are adorable. Yeah, I don't know uh, if they were trying to cut corners or if this is just kind of the best that they could do. But when people joke about how they look like toy tanks and everything, I think they might be referencing this movie because they get better in a lot of the later ones. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, the and and I would say they were actually pretty good in the first two. Yeah, I don't know what happened here, uh, but these are not good. At any rate, Godzilla doesn't seem to think so either, <laughs> because he rolls in using a combination of smashing, tail whipping, and atomic breath to just start fucking shit up. In an amazing scale, right from jump. I really like uh, the tail work in this one. I, he seems to be more adept at using his tail like a whip to smash into stuff. And it seems to be like it's the first one I remember that they really use the tail to that effect quite a bit. Yeah, absolutely. It it definitely gets it. Well, it, it becomes his kind of weak spot in a w- weird way. Uh, we'll get to that towards the end of the movie, but. Yeah, it, his tail is whipping around and and uh, taking King Kong's feet out from under him and whatnot. It's really cool, and also it's cool to see the glowy spines in color. Yeah, uh, yeah, they look much effect. better, much better in color. It, uh man, th- this whole scene is great. And so, yeah, Godzilla just fucks them all up. Everybody retreats, and it's like, what are we gonna do about this? Meanwhile, Court. <laughs> We are on the way to Faroe Island, uh, where the uh, natives have all the the berries, and there are some unfortunate blackface natives here. (laughs) Unfortunate, that's a good way to put it. 
Well, we're not the it, only ones guilty of it. It looks like the Japanese have been doing it for at least back to the 60s, if not maybe earlier. Right. It was just like, hey, how do we do this tropical island? I don't know. Those people are kind of brown, right? <laughs> and then we'll just speak Japanese. <laughs> they break and, out the shoe polish, too. It was pretty bad. Yeah, it it it's not great. And but so uh, Sakurai and his pals from Pacific Pharmaceuticals uh, come to the island. The natives end up immediately taking them hostage, <laughs> which is pretty great. Like they're they come on like, hey, let's explore the island, and immediately the villagers uh, just like roll around them in a circle <laughs> and start shoving them around and stuff. Like the islanders are kind of bullies. Until they're not. Yeah, they and, they seem to really hate them up until the point that they're given cigarettes, and then they're like, hey, these will kill us quicker. Thanks. Man, that is one of my favorite things. This whole sequence on the island, like, it's nothing but an island full of junkies. Let's be real. <laughs> uh, kind of, yeah. <laughs> and in this case, they haven't had nicotine before, so it's a new high. And yeah, so Sakurai, like after they want to stay, and the 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 uh, chief says, "I'm not going to let you stay here." And uh, then they start handing out cigarettes, and he and Sakurai at one point even says, "Like, hey, uh, we may need to go back to the ship. I got some extra smokes back there, <laughs> so you know we can keep these guys juiced up until we uh, need to clear out of here." Um. <laughs> And, and he also gives them a radio, uh, which he tells them. Like, again, this is all real racist and terrible, this whole section. But it was 1963. What are you going to do? Uh, but he's like, yeah, you, you can scare your enemies with this. And the chief's like, I make with the cigarettes, man. I don't even know what, what this radio shit's about. It could have been worse. The radio could have been playing jazz and they could have all of a sudden just started doing dancing and stuff. It could have well, been much worse. You know, yes, and and but they do their own dance number later. We'll we'll get to that here in a sec. <laughs> uh, but the chief immediately is like, "Look, you can stay here, but I take zero responsibility for your safety." And they're like, "Yeah, that's fine." And immediately after they say that, there's this booming sound and then there's what is clearly a roar and uh, all the villagers start praying and Sakurai is like <laughs> lightning these stupid idiots think that lightning is a god we're gonna take these suckers berries I mean these people's berries in no time <laughs> and the funny thing is is all the natives are like haha suckers we just got a whole bunch of sacrifices for Kong. Right. Like, this works out. The, everything is coming up Pharaoh Island, as far as they're concerned. <laughs> <laughs> that, w just to get it out of the way, uh, we, we cut back to uh, Fujita, and he's about to uh, take off. And uh, uh, Fumiko is oh i'm sorry it's just famiko famiko is uh told that fujita uh was lost in a plane crash and there's like all this warning shit about going to hokkaido and then uh eric carver shows up again 
with a dinosaur export expert who's got like a dinosaur kids book <laughs> and and is like we think Godzilla may have come from one of these and they both insist on pronouncing the word reptile reptile <laughs> we need it's to build a, a giant robot to build <laughs> to fight the reptile well c- considering Godzilla is a reptile only a robot could truly uh face him and have any sort of a chance unless perhaps some sort of app um, <laughs> for some stupid reason we're just cutting in to be like hey Godzilla's kind of like a dinosaur huh and they describe it as like a mix between a Tyrannosaurus Rex and an Ankylosaurus and it's like eh, who cares like we, we've already done this at any rate then they're just like, meanwhile, in the movie you care about. <laughs> uh, so I want to get that out of the way just so we can get back to Sakurai and the shit that's happening on the island because it's about to get rocking. Yeah, much more uh, interesting here. Oh, my God. So the, Sakurai and his pals are like, hey, let's go find this god. So they whip out the guns and start you know, roaming around uh, the island. And Sakurai has a goofy buddy. That's constantly complaining about his corns. Oh, God. And, and yeah, I can do without that. I, I, Sakurai's friend, don't need him. Don't need him at all. Uh, he is not nearly as cool as... Uh, I can't think of his name, but it was the, the friend from uh, Angiris. The one that was like, oh, everybody says I'm the single guy here, you know, before he dies heroically. But this buddy just does nothing. The comic relief friend or even duo of friends is kind of a thing that they do in a lot of the Godzilla movies, particularly in this era. And I hate to say it, but they actually end up getting worse than this. Yeah, it's a real bummer. I mean, they just get more cartoonish as it goes. And yeah, the, this guy, the one in uh, Godzilla versus Ebra or Godzilla versus the sea monster is pretty terrible. I don't remember that specifically, but I will be reminded before long, I'm sure. Uh, it's on the horizon. <laughs> yes, only death can keep me from it. <laughs> and, uh, so, th- this goofy buddy on their trip is charitably attacked by a lizard, in quotes. Which is just him holding like this lizard puppet around his neck and whipping it around. It's This is another one of those effects that's like, boy... Some of this stuff is so good, and this isn't. So Sakurai shoots this lizard, and then they hear a roar again, and the mountain starts to fall on them. Meanwhile, back at the village, one of the most awesome scenes of the movie happens when uh, they're they're like, hey, this, this dude who got hurt, we need to get some berry juice for him. And they send a kid to the berry shack to go get some berry juice. (laughs) And while he's uh, in the shack getting everybody their fix for the night. (laughs) Y'all got any more of them non-habit forming berries? (laughs) Right. (laughs) Totally non-addictive, you know. I just really go for some berry. (laughs) uh, A giant octopus, a.k.a. an octopus, attacks the village or attacks the shack. And I love everything about this. I love how slimy the octopus looks. Uh, I I think that it is a cool uh, looking octopus from jump. Slime aside. 
the tentacles whipping around it, pulling itself along, wrapping around the shack. I love this whole octopus attack sequence in a way that I can hardly describe. Well, I, it, it I, fills me with such glee. I completely agree with you, Bo. And the thing that's really awesome about it is instead of trying to, to get like a suit worker or someone to try and mimic this, they just filmed an actual octopus. And when they needed specific things done, they did stop motion animation. And the way that they did it over top of where the actual octopus is, you can tell it's stop motion if you're really, really paying attention. But it just kind of all blends together so beautifully. And that old-fashioned stop animation just looks great. So you just press the I Believe button the whole time. I don't know how long it took them to get this octopus to move the way that they got it to move when it went over top of the the berry shack and all that other kind of stuff. But it is just glorious. It's probably some of the best stuff, best shot stuff in this whole movie. Yeah. And, and they like it so much, uh, does Toho that I think it's used in at least one other film where they're just like, get an octopus. People like the octopus. <laughs> um, and I, I can't remember if it's another Godzilla film. It might even be. I can't remember one. off the top of my head of another Godzilla film where a giant octopus attacks a building, but I wouldn't put it past Toho to reuse footage, particularly yeah. right before the 80s and the end of the Showa series. There's a lot of reused stock footage in a lot of those movies. Um. Yeah. Oh. Oh, the show run is so good. Not that you know the millennials fine, but oh, uh, what else going on in this movie? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Octopi. Um, <laughs> Your mind was so, preoccupied. I, I was preoccupied. <laughs> well played. Like you said, the stop motion is uh, is great in this. Sakurai and his pals show up and they start shooting at the octopus, and the octopus is like, "Fuck you guys." But the the woman and the little kid, or the the little kid inside the shack, uh, shack, his mother shows up. She grabs her son. They escape, and uh, then Kong shows up and busts through the gate, which implies like he could have done this at any time, sort of thing. That he was just like, yeah, the villagers can have their cute little gate and wall and whatnot, but. If some stupid octopus is threatening my berry supply. <laughs> it's more like bitch better have my money because he's like, you ain't getting that for free. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he he does. He just ro- like he busts through the door or, the you know, the giant gate. And it's just like, look, all pretense aside here. I could have done this anytime. You guys were all living on borrowed time. More importantly, why have you motherfuckers let an octopus into my berry my berry shack? And now Kong's got to take care of business. And so he basically just goes and throws rocks at it. Uh, or, you know, big boulders. Right. Uh, at, at the octopus until it just kind of slinks away. Well, I think it had its fill of berries. And then it just kind of was like, whatever, dude, I'm high. I'll be back. And it just goes back off to the ocean. Like he, right. he's going to go to his undersea dwelling where he's got his black light posters set up and he's ready to enjoy the non-habit forming narcotic feeling. Yeah. Well, <laughs> speaking of now free to feed his addiction <laughs> or his non-addiction <laughs> Kong starts j- drinking these big jars of uh, the, the berries, berry juice and just one after another, like he's mainline in this stuff. 
and basically going on a bit of a berry bender here. He's basically shooting them like a frat boy on a Friday night. Right. It's like someone said, every time you throw a rock at an octopus, drink. <laughs> and he kept count and said, now I'm doing it all at once. Uh, I got this. Uh, so frat boy Kong. <laughs> Kong the tank. Uh, yeah. And so the villagers are like, places everybody it's Kong time. And so they start singing and dancing while Kong is getting groggier and groggier or AKA more and more doped up on these berries until finally Kong just passes out in the village. And normally when this happens, I'm sure he just wakes up and all the villagers are like standing around and singing and dancing. He's like, Oh Christ, what happened? Oof. What did I do? Hit an act- octopus? All right, I'm going home, everybody. I'll uh, I'll see everyone later. It, this time around, though, Sakurai is there, and he's like, hey, we're taking that stone monkey home with us. <laughs> yeah, he basically just drugs himself. It's like he took a roofie and went to a party and went, whatever happens. <laughs> right. <laughs> it was just like, I know these guys were shooting earlier, and I was dropping rocks on them and whatnot, but man, I cannot say no to a berry jug. It's not habit uh, forming though. I don't have a problem. Yeah, I just like to do it. I just like it. And and now that I'm here with it all, I just want to do a bunch of it. It feels to me too that like the villagers and Kong had this understanding where he would get the berry juice and then they would play the little tune for him. And it's almost like his ritual where he'd ask, you know, right before he gets, you know, super stoned, he got that one record he has to play or whatever, and these people are, are his record that he's gonna play. And right before the needle goes in, you know, the the song has to crescendo just to that right moment for him to get his high. <laughs> and that's that's their understanding. And I think the gate that you were talking about earlier, that's more or less like a privacy curtain where he's like, yeah, right. <laughs> where he's like, no, nah, it's cool. You guys have your life on that side of it. You just keep me in berry juice and we'll be good. <laughs> and your yeah. and your rhythmic drumming with your singing. We're good. You keep the uh, the berry juice coming. Everything else is going to work out. All right. That's the Kong promise. Here on Faroe Island. <laughs> Eating these things individually to get high is such a pain in the ass for me. You crush them into a giant tub of juice and you send them my way. Hey, hey, I don't want you wearing clothes when you're crushing those berries either. <laughs> All right? <laughs> Kong's got to get his kink on with this. Right. <laughs> Ensuring they don't steal any product, in quotes. <laughs> oh, yeah, that is the... <laughs> The drug dealer way whenever people are packing away stuff. I forgot my lessons from New Jack City. I, look, that's your fault, not mine. <laughs> no, I, I, I'm totally in the wrong here, boy. I accept that. <laughs> to rectify this situation, I will go watch New Jack City when we're done recording. I probably will as well, <laughs> now that we've talked about it. Uh... You may have heard Quarter Myself refer to the Showa series of Godzilla films without much explanation. As ever, we prefer edutainment. So let's talk time periods. The Showa era of Japan is generally considered the period between 1926 and 1989, or the reign of Emperor Hirohito. For our purposes, the Showa era of kaiju films begins with the original Godzilla. 
The first film and the follow-up, Godzilla Raids Again, make up the first grouping of films of this period. After Godzilla Raids Again, Toho abandoned the big guy to do films for Mothra and Rodan before bringing him back for King Kong vs. Godzilla. This movie marks the beginning of the so-called revival period of Showa films, running from this point until 1968's Destroy All Monsters, which had been envisioned as the final Godzilla film. What marks this whole period is the gradual turn in Godzilla from a rampaging force of nature, like we saw in Godzilla and Godzilla Raids Again, to defender of the world against the myriad of alien space monsters and homegrown villains. Toho, though, couldn't give up their cash monster and did not, in fact, shutter the franchise as they had intended, producing six more movies between 1969 and 1975. This final category in the Showa run is called the Champion Series, fully placing Godzilla in the role of Universal Defender of Earth, especially its children. And it's this run where Godzilla runs afoul of Mechagodzilla, Hedera, and Megalon. Chronologically speaking, the entire Champion run takes place between the final two films of the Revival series, Son of Godzilla and Destroy All Monsters. Confused yet? No? Then let's keep going. The Heisei era began for Godzilla films in the year 1984 with the release of The Return of Godzilla. In this film, Toho chose to ignore much of the Showa run, making this film a direct sequel to the original 1954 film. In this era, comprised of movies like Godzilla vs. Biolante and Godzilla vs. King Ghidorah, Godzilla reverted to more of the rampaging force of nature again, and all of these share a continuity up to the release of Godzilla vs. Destroya. The final major defined period is the Millennium Period, beginning with Godzilla 2000. Toho again rebooted the series entirely. Much like the others, this series, which culminates in Godzilla Final Wars, established its own separate timeline, save for the films Godzilla against Mechagodzilla and Godzilla Tokyo SOS, which are considered standalone films by most. So in 2016, Toho again hit the reboot switch with Shin Godzilla, which was followed up with planned animated films. It's to the series' credit that it can withstand numerous reboots, reinventing itself in subtle and not-so-subtle ways with each iteration. While the Showa period may be my personal favorite, each has its own flaws and benefits, and I leave it up to you, gentle Godzilla fan, to decide which of these Godzilla are up your particular alley. And now, on with the battle. So back to uh, his whiteness himself, Eric Carter. The great wasp. And, <laughs> yeah. Him and his dino pal uh, are breaking down the matchup. That Like, they're literally like, well, they're taking Kong back to Japan on this big boat. And there's this reptile <laughs> in Japan wreaking havoc. You think they're going to run into each other? And they're like, yeah. Yeah, 100%. This is going to go down. And they're already basically taking bets. And because the Eric Carter says, well, who do you think will win, Dr. Scientist? And <laughs> I don't know what his name was. And 
Uh, he says, you know, look, Godzilla is kind of missing right now. But as soon as Kong shows up, Godzilla is going to attack Kong. And what Godzilla has working against him is he's got a teeny tiny little brain. He's real stupid. He's mostly instinct. On the other hand, we have Kong. And I've brought along this gorilla skull to demonstrate how um, how big a monkey, like a regular old-fashioned ape or app, <laughs> how big that brain is. Now imagine this skull was the size of that Kong, motherfuckers. How, imagine how big that brain is. He's probably doing calculus and stuff. It's not the size and, of the brain, though. That's the funny thing. It's not the size of the brain that makes intelligence. <laughs> right, right. Fake science that tries to explain how Godzilla is going to get his ass kicked by King Kong, who has no other powers other than being a giant monkey. Got ya. <laughs> I think Dr. Scientist knows what he's talking about. <laughs> well, who am I to question a white man on whether or not they know what they're talking about? He can mansplain a little further for us. This is all I'm saying. So... <laughs> They continue to mansplain that the head of uh, Pacific Pharmaceuticals uh, wants to take Kong home and that they've basically laid claim to King Kong. And then we cut to the ship because we're done mansplaining stuff for the moment. All the white Americans have been caught up. And I don't know why I'm just picking... On that regard... I should just make fun of Americans, not just white Americans. Well, I, th- uh, I think the fact that it was done for the English-speaking audience where they just automatically assume that you wouldn't know anything about King Kong or Godzilla before coming into this movie, <laughs> you know, like the two main yeah. monsters. I don't understand why the English-speaking version of this has all that pushed in there. I mean, I mean, it's called King Kong versus Godzilla. You know what's going to happen. <laughs> right. The other thing of it, too, is they probably had some sciencey explaining stuff in the Japanese version as well. Because the Godzilla movies are guilty of that, where they come up with this weird pseudoscience that explains how it works and why the kaiju is the way that they are. And it's kind of to fill time and get you, you know, used to what's going on with the people. Because they can't all be monsters smashing cities for the whole two hours each of the movies are. Or hour and a half, or however long they are. Yeah, but I, I also think that... You know, both Godzilla and Godzilla Raids Again do a better job uh, where the scientists are actually interesting. And and particularly in the first one, you know, the scientists are the main characters. You know, even as they're explaining stuff, they're discovering it. And, uh, and even in Raids Again, you know, what science there is, is just like, Godzilla again, huh? That sucks. <laughs> How are we going to stop him? I don't know. Best of like luck we, to you. Thoughts and prayers. That's all I got. So basically right. nothing. <laughs> He's a perfect killing machine. <laughs> you have my sympathies. <laughs> uh, so anyway, back to the movie. So Mr. Taco on the ship uh, is, is complaining because the Coast Guards have, have shown up, or the Japanese Coast Guard shows up and is like, hey, you can't bring another monster to our island, man. And he's like, why not? It's mine. I own it. And they're like, I don't care. We already got one. <laughs> <laughs> 
Like, we don't need two of them roaming the countryside. Our capacity for monsters is one or less, preferably less. We're shooting for zero. We're at one. You're trying to raise that to two. You know how difficult yeah. it is to get rid of two compared to one? Not appreciated, Mr. Taco. Not appreciated at all. <laughs> so, uh, we speaking of having some domestic stuff happening, uh, Vegeta shows up back home and uh like Fumiko his love interest friend is like oh Fumiko went to Hokkaido uh to look for you or something and we hear over the news that oh hey by the way Godzilla who just gone missing for a couple of days heading to Hokkaido so if anyone happens to be thinking of going to Hokkaido don't do it and Vegeta is like I've got to it's Fumiko. Love does strange things to a man. Strange, terrible, terrible things. And so Godzilla does show up in uh, Hokkaido, and they say, like, oh, he's attracted to the train lights. And sure enough, he's heading for a train. And so they're trying to evacuate uh, the train. Uh, Godzilla, um, you know, shows up, starts stomping on shit, picking up parts of the train. Uh, Fumiko, it turns out, has gotten off the train, but she misses one of the evacuation vehicles, like a truck that she's running for. And but sure enough, Fujito uh, shows up, or Fujita shows up just in time to save Fumiko with a truck oh his own. And basically, uh, Fumiko, it turns out, is the worst runner in the history of anyone everywhere running. We should also uh, point out that the train is actually really great model work. As far as vehicles go, it's probably the best model vehicle that they put in the film. Yeah, they, and they do another train gag later with Kong. And it's all, like, yeah, like all of the city model work, all of the, the uh, you're right, as far as vehicle model work, the train is probably the best. But um, out, really, it's just outside of those army vehicles. If it weren't for those, the model work would be some of the the best in the series, if not the best. I kind of wonder if the train or the tanks and the military vehicles were left over from some of the other movies, and they just didn't translate well because they weren't set up to be in color. They, Maybe they were just set up to be in black and white, especially with the older film stock or something. And it's it's the only thing I can think of because it just seems so not like the folks that do the model work in these movies because that's what really sells the size of the kaiju. Lost my place in my notes. Uh, I was making fun of Fumika running. <laughs> it, it, the next time you watch it, I'm serious. Just watch her stumble like a drunken fool through the countryside as Vegeta is trying to save her life. It's really embarrassing. So, uh, but Vegeta does show up and saves her. But out on the on the ship on the boat. Uh, Kong has come to on on his raft, which is, by the way, wired with dynamite in case Kong comes to. And there's like a plunger, like a good old-fashioned Acme, Wile E. Coyote dynamite plunger uh, <laughs> there to blow up the raft. Which is fully primed if, and not locked in place and just ready to go that could just be shaken down at any point. Man, I... On one hand, I totally respect that decision. <laughs> because if Kong wakes up, which he is doing in this scene, 
the first thing you want to do is end that situation as quickly as possible before he just picks up your ship and throws it. So I am for the excessive dynamite and uh, and dangerously uh, wide open plunger situation. That your comic relief in Mr. Taco almost falls on several different times. Right. Well, but then Kong wakes up and they're like, hey, hit the plunger. And so they do. And it doesn't work. And the captain of the ship is like, hey, cut them lines. Like, get, get rid of Kong at pronto. Finally, Sakurai shoots the dynamite and blows up the raft, but Kong is still alive. You know, I mean, hey, dynamite ain't going to kill King Kong. It might singe his fur and piss him off a little bit, make him look kind of punk. That's about it. Yeah, yeah. All you're doing is saying, hey, giant smart monkey, we have dynamite for you also. (laughs) It's non-habit forming and produces a narcotic effect. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Kong, you like to party? Uh, and you know he does. <laughs> yeah, he does. We cut back to Basil Exposition <laughs> at the UN to say that, hey, by the way, King Kong is now headed for Japan. Uh, Godzilla is headed for Tokyo, surprising everyone in this series at this point. <laughs> and... Then we have our first interaction. We have Kong v. Godzilla for the first time. And I could not be happier. Yeah, this first matchup is uh, pretty much the thing I remember the most about the movie. Mostly because Godzilla kind of comes out on top. (laughs) Well, yeah. I mean, and I like the fact that the army just sits back and watches. They're just like, look. What do you think, everyone? Let's just see how this turns out. Maybe we only got to kill one monster. That'd be great. <laughs> Save your ammo for the survivor, soldier. Save your ammo for the survivor. Yeah, 100%. And uh, yeah, so this is the scene where I alluded to earlier, where Kong uh, hides from Godzilla a little bit behind a rock. And in fairness, it throws Godzilla a little bit. He has no object permanence. That's not Godzilla's thing. He's like, one second there's a King Kong here, the next second there's not. I don't know what happened. But, you know, Kong. Uh, at the same time, Godzilla is no pushover and quickly sniffs out the situation. There's a lot of beating of chest. There's a lot of posturing, a lot of kaiju posturing on both sides here, where each of them are trying to, you know, be as kaiju-ly as possible. Uh, the most kaiju uh, on on the Isle of Japan. I think it's more like uh, trying to be ominous and threatening without actually having to throw down. Like, if I can make you back down, it's very animalistic because you will see gorillas do that in the wild. And I don't know anything about, you know, existing Godzillas, but I would assume that that would be something that if, like, a lizard creature of, like, a Tyrannosaurus stature or whatever came upon another creature that it would find threatening... I would assume it would roar or kick its feet or do it something with its tail to try and scare it away without having to encounter. That's a very natural animal thing. Yeah, I can vouch for that. Uh, <laughs> modern day Godzillas do, in fact, uh, posture in just such a way. Um, only when they see little, you, Bo. Only when they see you. Yeah, they know what's coming. I'm going to ride them. <laughs> um, I was a fan of dino riders, but kaiju riders is a whole new level of awesome I'm ready to get into. Uh huh. 
And yeah, so Kong throws some rocks, but Godzilla here just starts throwing some atomic breath around and blows up the forest under Kong's feet. And Kong just kind of backs down. He he scurries off. Yeah, he's never in, like a, he's never encountered anyone who can throw atomic breath before. And he gets singed pretty good in this, too. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, Godzilla kind of brings it to Kong in a in a in a big way. And I agree that if it weren't for dirty, dirty tricks, Godzilla would win this whole thing. Um, spoilers. That's not how it goes down. It's dirty, dirty tricks. And there's also a huge fucking plot device that they use to make Godzilla lose. Well, that it, to me is the dirty, dirty. Trick. Oh, gotcha. Is plot, is the plot contrivance. Right. Okay. <laughs> the Freddie V. Jason. <laughs> we'll get to it. We're almost. Yeah. There. Yeah. Uh, so uh, Godzilla, the presumed victor here, um, is now targeted by the army. Their plan is to create this big explosive trap, which they do, but it doesn't work. And so, like, it's a big explosion. Why anyone thought this was going to kill Godzilla is beyond me. Yeah, it's almost like um, they didn't realize that the first two movies happened where they've tried something as powerful as an atomic bomb and it did nothing. Why did they think an explosive pit would do it? They should have basically just said that they were going to try burying him and seeing if they could keep him trapped like they did with the ice. Something other than explosions, because we already know that's not going to work. Yeah, I don't know why they don't just start dumping sand on him as soon as he comes ashore. (laughs) You know, like, let's just try to bury him and push him back out to sea. Maybe he'll get confused and go the other way. Let's give him quick Crete shoes, guys. The mafia's been doing this for a century. Let's go. Yeah. Night. Hey, nice island you got here. Be ashamed if something happened to it. Uh, <laughs> got to pay us protection money. Otherwise, that kaiju's coming ashore. Oh, my God. G- Godzilla would be the greatest mob boss ever. <laughs> All right, Darren. That's another one for you. Godzilla as a mob boss. <laughs> there may come a day. And that day may never come. When I want to destroy an island. Uh, that's a shitty, shitty Brando. Enjoy. Enjoy that, Darren. <laughs> shitty Brando Godzilla. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, you know, Godzilla doing Brando, which is why it's so difficult an impression. High, de- high degree of difficulty. Uh, it would sound nothing like that. It would just be... <laughs> that would be it. Just, it would be the coolest roar ever. <laughs> I'll tell you, man, watching these movies, every time you hear that roar and the music kicks in... I just I want to throw a party. <laughs> it it is one of my favorite things is the uh, the Toho production uh, logo and the Godzilla roar uh, being seen in tandem. It just it makes me very happy. I always get those uh, goosebumps that walk up the back of my neck. You know, it's like there's only a very few things in my life that still does that. Like the beginning of uh, some Black Sabbath albums, you know, when they first kick in, that rise of the hairs on the back of your neck and Godzilla's roar, or like when Godzilla first appears in every one of the movies, every time I'm like, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean, it, it kind of is throwing up the devil horns at that point in the film. It's like, look, we as the series goes on, they understand more and more that nobody cares about the people in it. And it becomes more and more about the character of Godzilla, which is why he actually becomes a character instead of just, you know, a force of nature. But it's, oh man, you're right. It is so good. 
all right, so so they try to blow them up. That doesn't work because they're stupid. Then they they have a backup plan, which is where this Freddy stupid Freddy versus Jason stuff comes in, because they're like, okay, well we can wrap uh, electrical wires around Tokyo, and we've seen that Godzilla does not like to be electrocuted wisely. And so we'll we'll just string this around the whole city, and then he'll, at the very least, skirt Tokyo. And they're like, that sounds like a great idea. And then uh, the scientist or whatever is like, hey, but a little bit of a catch here. Uh, King Kong loves electricity. Loves it. Uh, don't know why. It's not a monkey thing. <laughs> Don't know how a simian who has who may share ninety nine point nine percent of our DNA can get power from electricity, though it hurts us. But let's just go with it, people. Right? Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Got to have something. Yeah, it's a real. You know, Freddie hates fire, and Jason hates water. You know, <laughs> where you're like, what the fuck? Where did you get this? Where can we use and- that from? And how do they know this about Kong? Has someone electrocuted him while he's like all Barry drunk and shit? who knows (laughs) it's never it's never explained it's just like this is the one time in this movie where i'm like hey 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 i can let most of this go but a giant ape who loves electricity just doesn't register with me well they even say that he gets Uh, powered up by electricity almost like he's you know robotic in some way shape or form Right, like he's Mecha Kong right. instead of King Kong. Oh God, I love Mecha Kong. <laughs> King Kong escapes it great. Uh, oh, that. Mm, yeah. All right. All right. That may be a stay tuned. Um, <laughs> the more we do this, the more work we keep creating for ourselves. <laughs> I know, but they're also good for their own reasons, right? Uh, so, all right. So Godzilla shows up around Tokyo. Uh, and does, in fact, start to skirt around the city. He starts to go in, get shocked a couple of times. He's like, fuck this, and starts to go around. But then Kong shows up as they're kind of evacuating the city, and he just straight up just like, nah, 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 on some electrical lines. Yeah, he breaks through a couple of them, and then he picks them up and goes, this tastes good. It's non-habit forming and produces a narcotic effect. <laughs> You know, I'll tell you what, if I could somehow put some berry juice on top of this. Now there's a night, Kong. There's a night. <laughs> He's all like trying to figure out how to electrify the berry juice. He's using his giant kaiju brain to try and figure it out. Man, if I can get this electricity back to Faroe Island, I know those villagers would hook me up. <laughs> He's sitting on an electric chair chugging berry juice. And this is how Kong's life gets right. really dark. <laughs> shoots a television and has a heart attack <laughs> right on a giant gold-plated toilet that they built for him <laughs> right <laughs> dancing around him every time he's <laughs> manages to make a bowel movement with all the opiates in his system but it's not habit forming bow so he doesn't have a problem not at all man not at all <laughs> uh it's my new kong voice <laughs> well yeah we could draw a parallel to elvis who justified all of his drug abuse because it was all prescription stuff sent to him from a doctor right yeah. nothing nefarious about that at all villagers told me to take this man <laughs> villagers said that it was non-habit for me man i'm just gonna take their word for it you see them little critters dancing around wild man wild. if i can just get them to uh, bring me some electricity man i'd be set tell you what 
best times me and Priscilla ever had was drinking berry juice, laying down in that village, having them dance around us. Tell you what. <laughs> Queen Kong is Priscilla. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, so now that Kong is all supercharged and Godzilla is still on the loose, FYI, uh, the people uh, in charge are like, man, we might need to drop a nuke. And they're like, no, 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 that's a terrible idea. <laughs> and see the last two movies that's not worked at all, ever. Just, just right. stop. Yeah, knock it off. And <laughs> then uh, Kong goes for a train as well because he was like, well, anything Godzilla does, I can do better. I can do anything better than him. Well, I think he's all charged up with electricity. He's all amped up, and he's looking for a hot girl. Because as we know, Kong likes his quiff. <laughs> yeah, and thank God Fumiko is around. She of the I can't run for shit. And she, I'm telling, she fits the bill. She's an attractive girl. That's her thing. Yeah, and that's all she does in this movie is get chased around and grabbed and whatnot. It's she is a nothing character, unfortunately. She has no agency. Um, it is the sixties. Yeah, not not a wit, not a wit. Um, and uh, so the uh, while uh, so Kong grabs Famico, much like Feyre, and <laughs> climbs uh, just a big building. And the army holds off because they're like, hey, Kong, this creature that has, you know, killed hundreds at this point, probably. We This one person that he's got in his hand, we can't fire. <laughs> well, they saw how it worked and, out last time where Kong went up the building with a lady and they're like, yeah, don't want to lose the planes. We need to save them for Godzilla. If only we had <laughs> non-habit forming narcotic effect berries that we could give them. Well, just in time, Sakurai is like, hey, what if we fire a bunch of non-habit-forming narcotic berry juice rocket-propelled uh, up around Kong's head, and then I'm going to get on the PA system and play my bongos like the villagers did uh, and, and when they were singing and whatnot, and we'll, we'll knock them out. And so sure enough... That's exactly what happens. They fire rockets that explode in clouds of berry juice. And Sakurai plays drums, which seems pointless because they're also blasting the music of the villagers at the same time. It's a visual aid for Kong. He needs to see at least one set of bongos. Otherwise, he can't calm down. Well, because Sakurai at one point is like, hurry up. I'm getting tired. It's like, knock it off, man. You're good. <laughs> I don't think you, I don't think you're making or breaking this Kong passing out deal. <laughs> I do like the weaponized version of the berry juice where it forms that mist that he can breathe in. I have a feeling that it's like a different kind of high that Kong really got into where he's just like this is different. It's kind of the same but different, much more quick like this. <laughs> oh, say man, this is getting right on top of me. Uh <laughs> going right up my nose like that feels pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> you're nebulizing my drugs. I love it. <laughs> You have weaponized my high, and I did it. <laughs> Hit me with that one more time. Oh, wait, that's years later, man. Hey, say, man, won't you fire one more of them rockets up before I tumble off this thing, man? Kick, kick me off right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <so>. <laughs> While you're at it, can you get me a deep-fried peanut butter and nanner sandwich? 
Because he's Kong. Get it? <laughs> yeah, I get it. <laughs> and that's also an Elvis delicacy. So there we go. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I, I like I like Elvis Kong quite a bit. Uh, <laughs> it's the stupidest thing I've ever come up with, somebody, and I love it. <laughs> so, because he's a Bingeberry user, Kong <laughs> ends up passing right the fuck out. Because, like, he just comes to town, loses his mind on berries, passes out in public. He, it's like he's on shore leave. <laughs> only, <laughs> only we know he'd be doing the same thing back home because we saw it in the village. Like, it's a good thing he doesn't have family because he would only disappoint them. Well, and it's also a good thing that he doesn't have electricity where he's from because otherwise he would be, like, an alert drunk just stumbling around that much more on all that berry juice because he gets keep keeps getting charged up by the electricity man electricity is kind of my sativa man it wakes me up peps me up <laughs> it's like meth baby yeah you ever had your balls licked by god that's what it feels like <laughs> but it's not habit forming though no man i just like it is all uh, <laughs> so, so. <laughs> so dumb i love it so he's passed out obviously (laughs) obviously it's you know it's afternoon um he's been up for all of half an hour he needs to go back to sleep yeah yeah it's the both the the natural cycle of the primate and a natural extension of him being fucked out of his mind all the time on barry Man, Kong does not know what time or day it is, and that ain't because he's stupid. (laughs) It's just his lifestyle. He's Matthew McConaughey. (laughs) Well, he's got an entire island of enablers, so that doesn't help. Right, everybody's like, nah, man, he's fine. He ate Jerry, but he's sorry. Did you see... The, well, it wasn't flowers. It was just a bunch of trees. But it was like a bouquet, and it was really nice. And I, I think he's really sorry this time. I think he's going to change. And when he dropped he the trees, asked. he crushed another villager. <laughs> it right. killed Tom. They're like, but the trees killed Tom, damn it. But he's really sorry about that. He's grabbing another bundle of trees. When will this cycle ever end? Give him the berries. Just give him the berries. At least when he's unconscious, we can rest. Tell him Con Air is on. <laughs> that would do it for me, too, so there we go. <laughs> sure, yeah, a couple of tall glasses of water and Con Air. You got yourself a night. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> so Sakurai is like, hey, I got an idea now that we got this fucking oversized frat boy passed out in the middle of our city. Let's just grab uh, Vegeta's super steel cables that we saw for one scene at the beginning and wrap Kong up and we'll tie him to a bunch of balloons and float him to Mount Fuji where Godzilla is headed. And it's kind of a crackpot idea, but I also understand how they came to it in the face of no other ideas. <laughs> what's, and yet it works. <laughs> like, yeah, what's great about it, though, too, is the whole balloon lifted kaiju to drop him off someplace. We see this reused in multiple different places, although it's not really reused in the Godzilla series. 
the one I think of the most from is the Rampage version, the version of Rampage that was on NES. When you died, you got brought in. You were riding on a giant Zephyr balloon or like one of the. Oh, right. <laughs> like you were coming in from there. You would ride in and then drop off whenever you came back or. Uh, <laughs> and there's been other movies, too, like even. Well, they get airlifted by helicopters, but the Jaegers, whenever they're fighting in Pacific Rim, they got a bunch of different cables that attach them because they're so heavy. They need to be airlifted by multiple helicopters. And it's kind of similar that way, too. So there's kind of a tradition stemming from this very stupid, silly idea of a ton of weather balloons airlifting a kaiju where they need them. Yeah, I, I like the idea. It keeps them off the ground, you know? Well, and <laughs> Until they wake up, you know? And they didn't put the wires on them in any rhyme or reason. It looks like they literally just like, all right, he's on this side. Okay, put all the wires down. Now tickle him. He's rolling over. Now wrap him. Wrap him again. Get around his arms and legs real good. That's all we can really pick up. Right. But I kind of like that. I like the fact that like his right leg is kind of jacked up in the air. And it yeah, it is just like, we got to get him the fuck out of here. Like, just make it happen. Like, if he wakes up, like, we aren't, we're almost at a berry juice. And if he wait, like, he's going to need some hair of the dog. <laughs> and if we don't have it, he is going to tear this place apart. <laughs> he does look a bit hungover when he comes to after the balloon lift, too. Yeah, well, yeah, he wakes up and it's just like the fuck what like where am i in midair what what the fuck happened i really need to reconsider my life choices with this berry juice man it's like he gets a moment of clarity midair hanging from the balloons but then it you know just as quickly it's like tell you what make this a whole lot better little berry (laughs) maybe if these uh you know get struck by lightning i'll be good Hey, I wonder if them balloons are filled with bear juice. No, no, that's silly. They wouldn't fly. <laughs> Plus, they'd be a lot more red than yellow. Tell you what, Kong needs to get back on the ground and start looking for some berry. Um, <laughs> the non-habit for <laughs> forming narcotic berry Kong loves so very much. Uh, God damn it, they just flew me past a fucking power station and I can't even touch down on it. That's a cock tease. Right, just like ch- biting at it. I not even close. <laughs> Let me out of these wires. Let me out, goddammit. I need more Barry. Come on, man. Get me out of the, these wires. And He starts shaving and, himself and, because the hair is getting extra itchy with the withdrawals. <laughs> right. <laughs> Cog scratching his face with those goofy long arms. Uh, so, but yeah, he wakes up and he's all discombobbed because he's hungover. Doesn't know what the fuck's happening. Wakes up in midair. Like, he wakes up like the uh, the counselor from Meatballs always woke up. <laughs> <laughs> His back probably hurts, too, the way they had him all wrenched up weird. I know just passing out on the couch in that form, you know, waking up. Well, they, they've, <laughs> well, when they let him go, though, he does. And sure enough, Godzilla is there, you know, at Mount Fuji. And when they, they cut him loose, he goes straight into a tumble all Mary Lou Retton style and, and bowls uh, Godzilla over. Like, you know, he kind of draws first blood in this final battle. Yeah. He uses the momentum of rolling down the mountain pretty well. Yeah. I mean, not to turn this into a G spot, but (laughs) this, this battle is pretty cool because it's a lot of, like Kong uh, trying to grab Godzilla's tail, but Godzilla just whip him in the face with it. 
and and my favorite moment like you know there's a lot of wrestling around between the monsters and i like godzilla going full atomic breath into kong uh and kong being like oh you know it doesn't take him down but clearly hurts you mean that part where he steps back and you see the actor look down at the suit and try and put it out because <laughs> it's yes. smoldering yes. yeah i love that part too that's really cool because you, you could actually play it off that it's Kong, you know, trying to put out the fire on his fur himself and checking his burns. And they do a really good job of everywhere that the atomic breath ends up hitting Kong in this battle. You see this fur smoldering afterwards and smoking and catching on fire. Yeah. It, it, oh, it's great. And and then when, uh, like, Kong tries to grab Godzilla's tail and ends up getting thrown onto his back for his troubles... And Godzilla just starts, like, kitty litter kicking rocks onto him. Like, I'm just going to bury you right here on this mountain. A little turnabout is fair play for Godzilla. <laughs> bury me, I'll bury you. Um, and when he's doing that, he also slams his tail on Godzilla's chest. It's like... Man, he is fucking this ape up. Yeah, the parts where he's slamming his tail on his chest and then... I was expecting like a leg drop or something there coming up in a <laughs> in a heartbeat, but that's when he starts doing the rocks. But that's another part that I really like too, where Kong's on his back and then Godzilla's like, oh, you want to fuck with the tail? Well, now you're going to get the tail. And he just starts whipping the hell out of him. You wanted the tail? You get the tail. <laughs> Godzilla has a nasty tail for you. Uh, I don't know why I did that. Um, but yeah, it, it, that scene is great. And then then we get to the bullshit of all of this. Because I think both you and I seem to be of the mind. This should be Godzilla's clear victory. Well, he's got the atomic breath. I mean, all he really needs to do is just go full bar. And he can cook the hell out of that ape. And then have a snack. <laughs> Yeah. That's all he needs. Yeah. And that's the part that pisses yeah. me off when he's not using the atomic breath when he should be the entire time. But also, he's clearly just lapping Kong. You know, like, Kong gets in a couple of hits, but mostly it's just Godzilla knocking him down, swatting him around with the tail, singeing him with the breath. I mean, it's real Godzilla heavy uh, on the front end. And then... oh and. FYI, there is a storm brewing in the background. And as soon as you see that, you're like, oh, son of a... And sure enough, Kong gets hit by electricity, or hit by lightning a couple of times, gets all supercharged, and quite literally goes apeshit. It's like a fucking Hollywood, or a Hulk Hogan back in the day when he was regular Hulk Hogan, and the crowd would start cheering no matter how beat down he was no matter how much it looked like he was about to lose. And then all of a sudden, he'd start getting that power from the crowd. It's the exact same thing. It's just total wrestling move. Only in this case, it's him getting struck by lightning. It's a total plot device. It makes absolutely no sense. They didn't set it up in any way, shape, or form. And it would have been very easy to do. Like, the guys set up electricity to try and stop Kong and capture him, and then he gets shocked. They could have done something there on the island or anything. But no, it just feels so tacked on. And it's like, what the fuck? And the other thing I kind of don't like about it, I like it. It's still fun. I just don't like that it, this dumb electric device is used at all, I think. And it's emphasized by the fact that as they, they fight, it's a nice touch. But as they're fighting, when Kong grabs Godzilla, 
they're like he's got static hands. <laughs> it's like he he's got a wool sweater on all the time. <laughs> and it shocks Godzilla a little bit. But there is a great moment here where Kong just picks up a tree and shoves it in Godzilla's mouth. That's pretty great. Yeah, that was pretty cool. I can't deny that. That's probably Kong's best fighting move in the movie. Yeah, uh it it yeah, it's it's one of those moments that as I'm watching it, every time it happens, I I'm just clapping my Doritos stained fins together. <laughs> Doesn't um, he end up launching it out with his atomic breath though too? He launches the fucking tree like a rocket. Yes, he does. That's so awesome. Yeah, huh? <laughs> oh man, this movie. So yeah, they're so they're fighting and wrestling and eventually they both just tumble into the sea. And then uh, there's nothing, you know, like it's for a second. It looks like both are dead. But then you see a trail going off through under the water into the distance away from uh, Japan. And then out comes Kong and he uh, is swimming uh, for home, according to notable white person, Eric Carter. (laughs) who wraps up the film and it's just like, well, it looks like Kong is heading home. And I know it sounds crazy, but we here at white America wish him luck. It's clearly the only place left that has the berries because he used the rest while here on the Island. So he's back to take care of his non habit farming habit, right? Berries delicious and smooth. (laughs) Try your berries now for a narcotic effect that is non habit farming. Ask your doctor about non-habit forming narcotic berries today. (laughs) See if they're right for you. (laughs) Which you know they are because you want to buy them. (laughs) Which they totally are. (laughs) I mean, really, once you have some of these berries, it's going to blow your mind. I mean, you've never heard Pink Floyd like this, but totally non-habit forming. It's real cool, everyone. Ask your doctor today. By the way, the non-habit forming berries have a side effect, which may or may not make you get charged up by electricity. Side effects include fear of (laughs) electricity, love of electricity, (laughs) becoming pure electricity. Obsession with tiny women that you can pick up and hold and then climbing of buildings. (laughs) Yeah, giant primatism. (laughs) miniature primatism (laughs) constipation and erectile dysfunction also isolation tank regression in rare cases (laughs) may or may not attract squids be careful oh man the squid stuff and and, all right so that's the end of the movie Uh um, and you, you joked about it being Freddy versus Jason, but that's literally how Freddy versus Jason works too. They launch him into the water, and then later you see the supposed victor arise and come out of the lake on the other side. Yeah, except there's no Godzilla wink in this one. They're just like, eh, it's fine. You don't see him really die. He'll be back. Well, and it's supposed to be that you know Godzilla underwater won or whatever, but or or not that won or, or was defeated underwater and. That's why King Kong is swimming off. But we already know Godzilla can survive underwater, and King Kong couldn't. So King Kong probably just surfaced, and Godzilla just swam away, too. Or he's like, yeah, I destroyed enough shit. I'm good. <laughs> right, I was like, fuck that electric monkey. I don't want any part of that. <laughs> I don't want to mess with Look, them I saw... red berry junkies, man. I don't want none of that. <laughs> <laughs> That's where I was headed, too. <laughs> 
I'm glad that we both. I saw that. it. I saw his eyes. I know. No, no, no. <laughs> that guy's not coming back to my house. That red berry junkie. He'll do anything for those red berries. Non-habit form my all, ass. <laughs> I'm all for territorial fights, but that fucking monkey is crazy. <laughs> he stole my VCR. That it was for the electricity. I know what's up. Yeah. <laughs> that ape can't get that monkey <laughs> off his back. So, say, man, can I borrow your car? No. <laughs> is your your title in the glow box? No, I said you can't borrow it. <laughs> I just need it for a couple of days, man. <laughs> hey, you you got grandma's grandma's watch? <laughs> get out of here, Elvis Cohen. <laughs> Look, man, I'm gonna get another gold record here. I swear. I just I need a little bit just to keep me in berries for for at least a month. That's all. I'm going to go away. We're going to cut the record. It's going to be something special. I'm telling you, it just need all needs a little money and some berries. That's all, man. And while you're at it, just some of that sweet electricity. You can electrify those berries, baby. We'd be in business. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I buy extension cords and just cut off the end. <laughs> Suck on them when I need some inspiration, man. That uh, closes out the film. <laughs> yep. It's Kong's life, just sucking on extension cords. Um, In between swigs of berry juice that's non-habit forming with a narcotic effect. Folks, that's all we really want you to learn about this movie. (laughs) Is the thinly veiled story of uh, youth gone wrong. Uh, That is King Kong versus Godzilla. Uh, Court, first of all, thanks so much for doing this. Second of all... Uh, man, anything that, uh, you want to say about this movie, I, uh, aside from, as we've mentioned how special it is to us, uh, on watching it again, is there anything that, that you take away from this movie as a, as a grown ass man that maybe you didn't as a kid? Yeah, I think apes are really hard to do suit actor work in. Well, it doesn't really work. And I know that the Subaraya and his crew had worked really hard to try and get King Kong to look as best as possible. And there were other rejected suits, but I kind of think they probably should have gone back and done it again. Cause he looks kind of derpy the whole way through it. And I don't know if that was intentional or not. And the face is real lumpy in a way that it kind of shouldn't be. And his mouth doesn't articulate All... as much or nearly as well as what they do with Godzilla either. Yeah. Godzilla, I think looks great. Yeah. It's one of the best suits that they've done. I mean, even if they reused it, they fixed it up and I really like the face sculpt in this. He ends up looking more derpy in years to come, but this is one of the more sinister looking Godzilla's they've sculpted. Yeah. It's really, really good. They, they lost a toe for this suit. Um, this was the first three toed Godzilla we had. Uh, so yeah, it's it, man, this movie is so, so good. Um, so court, Stick around. We're going to close out the show here. Uh, first of all, or second of all, uh, thanks one more time for being with us. You will be back next month uh, to talk about what is next on the list. I, I, I haven't looked ahead. I've forgotten what the next Godzilla film wow. is. I You're feel... putting me on the spot here. <laughs> uh, I think it's Godzilla versus The Thing, isn't it? Uh, no, sir. It is Mothra versus Godzilla. Oh, same thing. The American title is Godzilla versus the thing. <laughs> oh, okay, <Yeah>. okay. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, but Mothra versus Godzilla would be the next one then. 
So that'll be uh, next month when the other film will be Thirst by uh, Chanwick Park. Nice. Which is, yeah, that's a, a that that is what you call a fine film. Court. Oh yeah, Chanwick uh, Park does amazing work, and his turn in full fledged actual horror is so wonderful. I love Thirst. It's a great film. I'm excited for whoever gets to talk that with you. Have I told you about my or have you seen my Chanwick Park shirt? No, I have not. <laughs> it is uh, the logo for Jurassic Park. Oh, nice. Except it says Chanwook Park, and instead of a T-Rex in the the hemisphere, it's a guy raising a hammer. Oh, wow. And it is my favorite shirt right now. <laughs> All right, so the next key spot is Marth- uh, Mothra versus Godzilla. Yes, and uh, then we will be doing... What? After that is Ghidorah. So we have Mothra and Ghidorah. Ooh. Coming up. I know. I know. Probably the next full show will be Destroy All Monsters. Yeah, I was kind of thinking the same thing because the other ones, while they're great, I mean, I love Invasion of the Astro Monster slash Eater of the Three-Headed Monster slash Monster Zero, I think is the other name that that's known by here. I yeah. love that one too, but I think that one would be better fit with the monster mashup for uh, E-Spot, whereas Destroy All Monsters has a little bit more story going to it, and that's a big one. That's a major big one. Yeah, that is one where part of the Showa run takes place in between Son of Godzilla and Destroy All Monsters, chronologically. Yeah, and in Ebera Horror of the Deep, while that was my very first Godzilla movie, only has a few moments that really should be G-Spot. The Son of Godzilla, I don't even, I think we could probably just skip, but, you know, we still have to touch on it. We, we will discuss it. <laughs> it is not, it is... Of all the Godzilla films, it's really the only one that I'm like, eh, I really don't want to watch that. <laughs> Everything else I, I can really get behind. Son of Godzilla is, I, I would say, is a bit twee. It's great for kids, um, and I've used it before to actually introduce kids into the universe because they can see a bunch of different monsters, and you know they kind of really get into the Manila character in that, you know, because they can kind of relate in the bullied kid as well, because what kid wasn't bullied in some way, shape, or form? But when you're an adult, it's like, wow, this is really, really bad. <laughs> yeah, it's it, yeah, it, it's a rough go. Um, we'll get to it. We'll talk about it all. Uh, Court, thank you again. Uh, if people want to hear more out of you in particular, where can they find us? Oh, yeah, us? absolutely. We are proud members of Legion Podcast. You can find us on legionpodcast.com forward slash cinema dash psyops. You can also just do a search for cinema psyops and or possibly garbage people, and it'll take you right to us <laughs> in your various podcatchers or well, on the internet, you know, just do a quick Google search or use Bing or DuckDuckGo, whatever your preferred search engine is. I like to believe that garbage people would get you there. <laughs> I, 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 I want to believe that's true. <laughs> yeah, Garbage People Podcast. There's probably a podcast that's called Garbage People, and they're pissed that it keeps getting redirected to us. <laughs> Eh. <laughs> let them burn um all right man well uh folks at home thanks again so much we will be back actually because we're we're dropping this on the beginning of the month there'll be another one out this month uh so get ready um i almost broke into a beastie boys lyric on get ready <laughs> that's not healthy uh so folks we will be back in uh, within this very month with another episode of Hero Hero Go Show. Uh, please be sure to check out the Facebook page 
uh, for Hero Hero Go Show as well as Legion Podcasts and all the other great shows uh, over there on that website. And hey, uh, check out YouTube. Legion Podcasts uh, has a channel and we've got uh, a video with some recommendations from the hosts. Uh, so check that out and uh, give us a subscription there as well, if you would. That would be great. Uh, in the meantime, we will see you soon. And this is DYGL. Good night. Good night.